You are listening to Black Cloud Society. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of your favorite podcast, Black Cloud Society. I'm just going to jump right in this week because I'm kind of fired up. I am all sorts of fired up about the stuff that's been going on with this uh, Redonda Vought trial. The prior Vanderbilt nurse who was found guilty of negligent homicide due to a med error. Now, we're going to talk about this week the implications that this case has for all healthcare providers and um, basically do a cause and effect risk type analysis as to why this occurred, how it can be prevented, and how we as fellow providers, whether you are EMS, whether you're nursing, whether you're hospital administrators, whatever you are, whatever your role is in the healthcare system, why you suck. And why you're an absolute embarrassment to me, an absolute embarrassment to the industry. Now, what I'm going to say is 100% going to rub some people the wrong way. It's going to ruffle some feathers, and I may very well lose some listeners over this. But you know what? What I'm going to say about this whole situation needs to be said. And in fact, if your feathers do get ruffled over this, chances are you're part of the problem that led to the very culture that breeds this sort of mentality, that breeds this sort of behavior. So I don't really care if your feathers get ruffled. I don't really care if you dislike what I have to say because, you know what, it's my show and I'll say whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. And if you want to listen, listen. If you don't want to listen, then shut it off. But what I need to say has to be said regardless of who it's going to piss off this week because what's going on, what has occurred, is absolutely disgusting on many, many fronts. Not just the fact that a mistake was made, or the fact that it was attempted to have been covered up at the organizational level, but also at the behavior of, of quote-unquote professionals within the industry surrounding the verdict, surrounding this whole situation. So honestly, regardless of the fact that I may say some things that uh, rub you the wrong way, I really, really hope you'll stay tuned and listen in this week as we discuss the things that often conflict when we're talking about just cause versus a just culture. So I'm going to jump in with what we know. Start with the facts of the case of what we actually do know thus far. Now, granted, the story of this whole situation spans, honestly, a long time. The initial incident, the initial medication error that led to the demise of one of the patients within the Vanderbilt system occurred back in 2017. 
and here we are now 22 and we're just getting to the trial and the verdict aspect of it. Some of that's because of the COVID stuff, but at the same time, some of it also has to do with the fact that there were two different legal proceedings that took place because of this amongst at least that we know of three separate investigative agencies and uh, the fact that many of the, the the facts of the case were initially obscured from not just the public, but obscured from the investigative agencies. Vanderbilt tried to cover it up and make it go away, which we'll talk about here in a little bit uh, amongst one of the absolute disgusting things that are involved in this case. But this nurse, Redonda Vaught, a Tennessee nurse or used to be a nurse, was criminally indicted on the abuse and reckless homicide charges after she administered patient a wrong medication that ultimately led to the demise of said patient. I guess she had already been working within the Vanderbilt system for about two years from the data that I'm looking at. Uh, but the, the incident in question occurred late December 2017. A patient comes into the Vanderbilt system with a subdural hematoma, is being treated. Apparently, the condition improved to the fact where she was nearing discharge and needed to undergo one final PET scan. And apparently, while awaiting said scan, as many patients do, begin to experience some level of anxiety with the whole scanning process, whether that be MRI. CT, whatever. Especially with something like a head bleed, when you know for a fact they're going to be stuffed into the machine head first. Now, from everything I've seen, from everything I've read, everything I've watched regarding the details surrounding this case, it would appear as though the staff in radiology noticed that the patient in question was suffering from that level of anxiety and wanted to give her something for some level of sedation before beginning the scanning process. So they call up to the neuro ICU step-down unit because that's where the patient was was held, like I said, getting ready for discharge. And uh, call up there to see if they can send a member of nursing staff down to radiology to administer said sedation. So, enter Redonda Vaught. Redonda was apparently on the schedule that day to be what the Vanderbilt University Medical Center refers to as the quote-unquote help-all nurse for the unit. So basically she's going to go around, float around the the neuro ICU and the step-down unit and basically cover people's breaks and help out wherever other nursing staff needs help. So when radiology called for the sedation, obviously she's going to be the one that has to leave the unit, run down, and handle the business down there. Now, at this particular time, she was also in the process of orienting a new nurse to the unit, to the the hospital, really. Uh, So there were a couple different things going on in the background that could have potentially caused some distraction, not to mention that during that time, Vanderbilt was in the process of changing over software, charting software, from whatever program they were using previously to the Epic program. So everything, computer-wise, was all screwed up as everything was trying to merge into Epic, including 
the Pixis or the OmniCell or whatever, whatever narcotics or, or, or medication control system they were using at the time. Now, we all work in healthcare. We've all seen how busy hospital systems get, especially those that had the pleasure and opportunity of doing anything regarding the whole COVID situation, which, let's face it, most of us have. Now, that being said, we've all witnessed, we've all seen, or even participated in overrides of said system. Whether that, again, whether that be the Pixis, whether that be the OmniCell, whether that be the Cubex, whatever control system your organization uses, we've all been involved in some type of, of, of override. Now, that being said, because the request came from radiology, the order for the Versed, which is the sedative agent for those of you that are not aware of that, which we'll get into that again here in a minute, but the order was not in the system. So when you go into said narcotics control program, Pixis, Cubex, Omnicell, whatever it is, type in the patient name and a list of all their approved ordered medications pops up. Well, that medication was not there. Versed was not there as already being previously ordered. So given the fact that this patient did indeed need and require sedation before said scan, an override was, was completed. And here's where the beginning of the error begins. Not that an override was necessary or conducted, because sometimes overrides are indeed necessary to save time and to honestly save lives. I can't tell you the amount of healthcare systems I've seen, been involved with, experienced, observed, where literal life-saving medications, not even medications, something as simple as blood, takes an upwards of 35 minutes to get to where it's needed. So sometimes I get it. Some particular type of overrides are needed and necessary. However, here's where Nurse Vought gets into a little bit of trouble. Okay, maybe a lot of bit of trouble. She goes up to the system, the medication control system, and types in VE for Versed. Again, looking for the sedative agent and can't find it. Because apparently in the system it wasn't labeled as Versed. It was labeled as its generic name, Midazolam, which us as healthcare providers should know both the names of the drugs you're going to give. Now, from what I've read, everything I've seen, everything I've heard and, and physically looked at from the court documents and, and following some of, of the actual trial, didn't see Versed in there. Again, time is of, of, of the essence. A lot of stuff going on in the unit, a lot of stuff going on in the hospital, orienting, changing over to Epic, everything being all screwed up, essentially, on many, many levels. Staffing ratios, everything that could possibly go wrong. But anyway, this isn't about unsafe staffing ratios. That's a whole different episode. But beyond that, 
goes in and commits the override because she can't seem to find the Versed listed under the, the, the patient's list of drugs for standing order. And uh, types in VE again, looking for the Versed. And suddenly, once the override's complete, the first drug that pops up is Vecuronium. And that's a paralytic, not a sedative. A paralytic that comes in a completely different form than Versa does. As a matter of fact, the particular style of Vecuronium that she pulled from said inventory control device was in powder form and needed to be reconstituted. But besides that, we'll get into that in a minute. Versed begins with VE, Vecuronium begins with VE. Reaches in, grabs the Vec, runs down to radiology. Draws up said Vecuronium and administers said Vecuronium. And then leaves. From everything I've read, everything I've seen, everything I heard, the patient was not monitored by anyone other than the radiology staff which, let's face it, they're not in the actual room with the patient while the scan's being done. They're behind the glass. But no monitoring, no cardiac monitor, no SpO2, nothing like that was initiated after said medication was administered. Not to mention that it was the wrong medication in general, and that uh, the paralytic, once administered, does exactly what it's supposed to do paralyzes you, paralyzes your diaphragm for being able to breathe on your own, which is why we use paralytics when we're doing RSI. The fact that this patient was administered a paralytic versus the benzo, the sedative, the versa that she was supposed to get is absolutely disgusting. This poor patient died being paralyzed fully aware of the fact that something was profoundly wrong, fully aware of the fact that, guess what, I can't breathe. But not being able to even call out for help, not even being able to tell someone that something is wrong because she's now paralyzed, but fully alert as to what was going on. Now, let's take a minute to refresh our minds. Pharmacology 101. Basically, the first absolutely, even in basic school, they teach you the rights of drug administration. How does this happen? Now, I've heard, I've seen the, oh, it could be any of us at any given time, blah, blah. Now, I get that. I get that none of us are you know, above reproach, basically, that any of us are literally only one patient away from making the worst mistake of our lives. But when it comes to medication errors, like I said, pharmacology 101, how did this happen? What did we miss? So number one, the right patient. Okay, so she checked that because she was there for the right patient. Number two, the right drug. Number two, right drug. How do we miss that? Read the label, folks. Like, how do you not understand the fact that, well, number one, the paralytic says right on the top of the cap that warning, paralyzing agent. So number one, it tells me that she didn't even look at the vial. Number three, right dose. Okay, right dose. What is the right dose? 
Well, that depends because if we're not giving the right drug, then we certainly don't have the right dose. So in the right time, the right route, obviously IV versus IM versus PO, whatever, right reason, why are we giving the drug? And then obviously the right documentation, documenting the fact why we're giving this drug, what we're giving and how much of it we're giving. So that being said, the med error was somehow made. Do I believe the intent behind said medication error was death, was harm? No, I do not. Do I believe there was gross negligence in the way the drug was administered? Absolutely, 100%. Now, the one thing I will say is that Redonda at least had the personal integrity to self-report. She self-reported the medication error. Self-reported her mistake. So she at least had the integrity to self-report the mistake, knowing that there could be some serious potential consequences that come come out of it. But part of that is because Vanderbilt University preaches a just culture and stands by, quote-unquote, stands by, a particular set of values that are listed in their code of conduct, which can be found on their website, which I highly encourage you to look up after this because it's actually quite hilarious given the code of conduct that they preach versus what actually occurred. So Redonda self-reports to the powers above her and ends up getting fired removed from her position, which in my opinion is warranted. However, then Vanderbilt takes it upon themselves to not notify anyone else of the error. They're supposed to have been, the state should have been notified, or uh, Jayco as well gets notified. But that didn't happen. As a matter of fact, even the county medical examiner's office was not made aware that the cause of death was a medication error. And two of the Vanderbilt University Medical Center's neurologists reported that the death was actually attributed to the brain bleed and not said medication error. So here we are. We have a horrible, egregious, disgusting, unacceptable medication error that was made. Who, at least, like I said, she had the integrity, personal integrity, to self-report instead of trying to cover it up herself. To self-report regardless of, of consequences, which ended up being her job. Later on down the line, her license to practice nursing. And then later on down the line, uh, being found guilty of criminally negligent homicide and still awaits sentencing. However, the fact that Vanderbilt knowingly tried to hide this information, didn't report, tried to get the the death certificate doctored, and even went as far as settling with the family out of court and making them all sign non-disclosure agreements to keep them quiet about the situation tells you pretty much Everything you need to know about the standard of ethics at Vanderbilt University Medical Center.
which apparently, at least up until now, had a reputation of being one of the best hospitals in the country. Now, initially, the Department of Health decided not to pursue any disciplinary action against Vaughn. It's, in fact, the documentation quotes that she did not constitute a violation of the statutes or rules governing the profession of nursing. How I, I disagree that. Uh, however, initially, the Department of Health said that this matter did not merit any further action. This was in October of 2018, so almost a year later, in her opinion, the case was closed. Yes, yeah, she's not going to be able to work at Vanderbilt, but she gets to keep her, her nurse license, which I personally disagree with. If you make a medication error, that is 100% responsible for the patient's death. And I don't mean like accidental dosage, miscalculation, things like that, because face it, it's 3.30 in the morning when you're on a 24-hour shift. You know, we know things happen. What I'm talking about is administering, blatantly administering the wrong drug. I'm not talking about an extra ML of something or not enough of something. I'm talking about the wrong, complete wrong drug. There's a big difference between a, a dosage error and a medication error. Dosage errors can be fixed. Now, granted, I don't believe we should be administering narcotics with the intention of, oh, if I give too much, I can reverse it with a little bit of Narcan. I don't believe that should be the intention at all. However, there are some checks and balances in effect that if by chance we give a medication, there are ways, most of the time, we can reverse said medication. As a matter of fact, it is my personal belief, personal philosophy, and I teach this to all of my students. I teach this to every single person that has ever done any type of ride time with me. All my orientees that, that do ride alongs with me, anyone who's involved in one of the one of my mentoring programs, I preach on this all the time. Number one, if you don't understand the drug you're about to give, then you probably shouldn't be giving it. If you can't tell me both names of said drug, then you're not going to give it. If you can't tell me how to reverse the drug you're about to give, then you're not going to give it. Simple as that. If you don't understand the drug you're about to give, if you can't recognize simply by looking at the vial that you're about to give the wrong drug, then chances are you probably shouldn't be the one getting ready to administer it. But anyway, before I get too high up on that soapbox, because I'm already fired up as it is, long story short, someone within the patient family who was not included in that non-disclosure agreement that everybody was forced to sign when the settlement came out, uh, someone involved in the situation put in an anonymous, quote-unquote, anonymous tip, which reopened, which reopened the whole case, really. And it shed light on the nurse. It shed light on Vanderbilt. And long story short, Vanderbilt currently is free and clear of any wrongdoing, despite the fact they tried to sweep it under the rug and did not admit to any wrongdoing in the first place and doctored the death certificate and all these other things that, number one, are against the law, but also, number two, blatantly violate their quote-unquote code of conduct. Uh, but on top of it, this particular nurse, who by all means is guilty of a medication error that resulted in death, regardless of intent, we have to look at the fact of what occurred. 
is now facing potential prison time. Now, here's my opinion on that. There is a lot of scrutiny going on about this case right now because of, quote-unquote, the precedence that it sets. And how healthcare workers can now be held liable for mistakes that they make. Why is that? It should have already been the precedence. You should be held accountable for the mistakes you make. Doctors are. That's why they have malpractice insurance. Matter of fact, I know some nursing staff that I work with and nursing staff that I've had the experience of practicing medicine with also own their own liability policies. I know some medics that do. You should, as a healthcare provider, whether you are EMS, whether you're nursing staff, whether you're a doc, whatever whatever your role is in the healthcare system, should be held accountable for your actions. For a group of nurses to sit there and say, this sets a poor precedence and now we're going to be held liable for, for potential mistakes and blah, 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 overstaff, understaffing this, and, and I, I get it. Look, healthcare in general is profoundly understaffed at the moment. But that doesn't make you immune from being accountable for your own actions. I get that mistakes happen, but they shouldn't. I get that everyone makes mistakes, and I don't care. And this is the other thing that really makes me angry. Not only about the, the nursing staff that's saying that we shouldn't be held liable, but um, the fact that we've got EMS providers piping in on this. There's already a great divide, a great rivalry, a great uh, quasi-hatred, depending on where you work, between EMS staff and nurses. Now, I get the vast majority of a paramedic's career is spent absolutely getting crapped on by salty ER nurses. That's just the nature of the beast. It's how it's always been. And I think how it always will be. As a matter of fact, I have lived this personally and continue to live it. You know, when, when I put on the flight suit and go to the trauma center, the nursing staff, the hospital staff, give you all the respect in the world most of the time. There are some facilities that, that do not, and they just don't care. But for the most part, you put on the flight suit, and you just magically get the respect of everybody. However, part-time job, when I work ground, I put on the ground EMS uniform, go to that same trauma center, to the same group of physicians, to the same group of nursing staff, and they won't give you the time of day. For some reason, there's a stigma placed on EMS providers as being less than the professional healthcare providers as their counterparts. And I wonder why that is. Hey, here's why. Because we as EMS providers generally think that our crap doesn't stink. Uh, as soon as you put that gold disco patch on, as soon as you get that quote-unquote national registry certification, a lot of times the providers that hold that, which by the way is the minimum standard level of knowledge required to do the job. So next time you brag and moan about 
uh, oh, I passed my national register. Congratulations. You now know just enough to do the basics of your job. But anyway, uh, that being said, you wonder why we as EMS providers get the bad rap that we do of being less than professional and wonder why we can't get paid what we're worth because of the fact that when things like this happen to this nurse. Now, granted, I'm not at all defending what she did. What she did is absolutely, uh, in my opinion, unforgivable. Granted, I know she's human. All humans make mistakes. However, a death occurred because of this mistake, simply because we didn't take the time to look at, number one, the drug we're giving, recognize the fact that, hmm, I don't have to reconstitute Versa, but I need to reconstitute this. So some something's not adding up, but I'm going to give it anyway. Or number two, the fact that we didn't know the other name for the drug that we want to give. But anyway, we as EMS providers are so quick to judge the nursing staff as being less knowledgeable than us or whatever, simply because, simply because of that rivalry that's always been there. But at the same time, what are we doing culturally as EMS providers to change that? What are we doing to change the mentality of the profession? You can't scroll through the socials right now and see some salty, salty EMS pages posting a whole bunch of nonsense about how um, they've never, ever made an education error or it's about time nurses are held to uh, the same standard as everybody else and blah, blah, blah. Now, I get it. I get it. Again, there should be liability, accountability associated with your actions, 100%. But at the same time, these arguments are coming from people that make up 90% of their vital signs anyway. I mean, come on. Like you're gonna sit here and tell me you you actually listen to heart sounds, okay? But yet you documented them in your PCR, okay? Cool, yeah, okay. You're so much better than everybody else. The fact that we, as a profession, in EMS, can't even now again, I'm not saying support what happened. Hundred percent, she should be accountable. Hundred percent, she should have lost her license, and because of of what happened, blatant disregard. In my opinion, blatant negligence, yes. Criminally negligent homicide. You were so negligent that someone died because of a decision, an error that you made. No different, no different in my opinion, than some of these volley departments that have their command staff show up on the scene, start making calls and running, you know, making decisions when they're intoxicated. Oh, I know. I know. Can't we we can't talk about that. Cuz that's not just volunteer departments. I know of paid staff who are the same way. You know, as a matter of fact, EMS and fire are the biggest bunch of alcoholic, substance abusing, lack of healthy coping mechanism individuals because I can't handle life group of people I've ever met. But keep on Keep on throwing stones at our other healthcare professional counterparts because you're so much better than everybody else's. And then sit there and wonder why we can't get any respect as an industry. But it's nothing that we can't doctor in our EPCRs. If it's not documented, it didn't happen, right? 
look, I get errors happen. As a matter of fact, uh, I believe the current CDC data states that uh, medical errors are the third leading cause of death in the United States. There's other data that says, which is absolutely disgusting, that says even though that it's listed as the third leading cause of death in the United States, that in general, only 10% of medical errors actually go reported. So any EMS provider that says they've never made a mistake has just failed to actually, number one, document it. Number two, fails to have the integrity that have actually not self-reported. Now, there's a double-edged sword to that. I personally don't believe that regardless of the organization, that just culture can exist. In healthcare, whether you're EMS, whether you're a doc, whether you're nursing staff, whatever, you pretty much have to practice with the mentality that if something goes wrong, you're going to get hung out to dry. And your organization can preach and teach to you all you want that there's a just culture and blah, blah, blah. But if it provides enough poor publicity, if your mistake provides enough poor publicity for the organization, regardless of how just of a culture it is, guess who's going to be looking for employment? Now, you may not lose your license. You may not be talking about jail time. But if whatever you did provides enough poor publicity for the organization that you quote unquote represent, regardless of how much just culture the organization preaches, you will be looking for a job. So I personally don't believe that just culture is a thing in healthcare. Do I think that the overall underlying culture needs to be reevaluated? Yes. Because especially now, I do agree on one aspect that the precedent has been set that um, it's going to profoundly limit those who are now willing to self-report. So now when errors are going to be made, no one's going to self-report now, regardless because of the fact that, you know what, if I do self-report, I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to lose my license, and I'm going to jail. Nobody wants that. So I think that even less, like we just talked about, only 10% of medical errors get reported. Even less than that is going to get reported now because of the fact nobody wants to self-report because it automatically means we're all going to jail. Regardless of who you are, docs, nurses, EMS staff, everyone is capable of making mistakes. But it should be in the background of your mind every single day to perform at the best of your abilities to limit the ability to make said mistakes. Something as simple as reading a bio. Something as simple as, oh, I don't know, knowing about the medications you're about to give. While she 100% needs to be held accountable for this mistake, at the same time, how much of this is also a cultural thing? I know for a fact, I've seen it in EMS, I've seen it in healthcare systems, when we are orienting and even educating new people, bringing them into the fold, how much of these checks and balances are we actually enforcing? Are we actually making sure they know about the drugs that they're going to give? Are that we making sure they actually even okay, even your 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 educational institutions? How many medic programs actually take the time to go through pharmacology? So that the students we're producing know about the different drugs that are carried, how they work and all that stuff. I'll tell you right now, even nursing school doesn't doesn't do that. Most of the time, the drugs they're giving, they're learning on the go, learning on the floor as, they, as they're getting ready to push them, which is absolutely disgusting. And then we sit here and wonder why systematically these errors keep happening. 
So while I do believe that Redonda should be held accountable for what she did, at the same time, systematically, how many other people are we setting up to fail? Whether you're an EMS preceptor, whether you're an EMS educator, whether you're a nurse preceptor, nurse educator, some of this falls on your shoulders as well for educating the next upcoming generation of providers on how to avoid those mistakes. Simply being prepared to do your job appropriately, to provide excellence every single day. I get complacency sets in, and that's number one, guarantee you what, what happened. Complacency sets in, and things get busy, things get missed. Look, I get it. But that does not remove you from the accountability of the decisions you make over the course of your job. So overall, Redonda Vaught ended up losing her license to practice, which I agree with, was found guilty of abuse, patient abuse really, and criminally negligent homicide. Simply because she didn't take the time to number one, educate herself as to the medications she was going to be in control of. Number two, read the vial. Number three, notice the big warning on the top of the cap that says, warning, paralytic agent. Number four, administered the med and then just left to get back up to the floor to do other things. Look, I get things need to be done. And sometimes things in the fine details get missed. Something as simple as monitoring the patient after you administer a drug. Especially considering that it was the wrong drug. Again, not just a simple dosage error where we gave half an ml more than we were supposed to, but the complete, blatant, wrong drug. Not knowing that we gave the wrong drug. How do we get to that point? Is it complacency? Is it quote-unquote at-risk behavior that's fostered because of the underlying systematic culture within the organization? I think there's a couple of things that come into play. But one thing cannot go without saying is that is regardless of your licensure level, you should be held accountable for the actions that you take as a healthcare provider. Say the doc gives an order for the wrong drug. Are you going to sit there? Are you going to have the integrity, the accountability to question the doc and say, hey, that drug is not indicated here? Or are you just going to knowingly give it, knowing that it's the wrong drug? There's so many situations we can find ourselves on a day-to-day basis, especially in the EMS profession that has pretty much standing orders to do a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, pretty much whenever we feel like it, whenever it's indicated. You know, the, yeah, there's protocols and guidelines and all that stuff, but really, there's a very minimalistic checks and balances system when it comes to what happens in the back of that truck or happens in the back of that aircraft. 
we are granted a lot of autonomy from our med control physicians to do the things that need to be done. So it comes upon us as the providers to have the integrity to self-report any errors that occur. And again, any EMS provider that says they are above making errors is full of crap. Number one, the vast majority of the country doesn't even allow RSI. Certain systems do, but most of the time, they're few and far in between and have a lot of med control oversight controlling the program, which as it should be. But for, for these medics, for these EMS providers to sit here and throw stones at the nursing staff for not even realizing what a paralytic was, you guys can't even give them. So keep your mouth shut. Number two, there's certain EMS providers throughout the country they can't even recognize the fact they intubated the wrong hole. They're bringing patients into the hospital with misplaced tubes with esophageal intubation and wondering why their patients are dying. Are they not? Why, why are they not being held liable? So to see all these posts on the socials from all these EMS pages painting us as being these top-level elite providers that are above reproach and are, are too good to make mistakes is absolute nonsense. And you guys are the reason why the rest of the healthier industry looks at us the way they do and why we can't get the respect that we deserve within the healthcare industry, why we can't get the pay we deserve within the healthcare industry because people like you who jump at the opportunity to run your mouth about a situation that you could easily find yourself in is absolutely disgusting. That's disgusting. The fact that nursing staff feels as though this is going to set a precedent for accountability, as it should. They should be held accountable for the things they do. Is absolutely disgusting. Just the entire mentality of the healthcare system as far as looking for, to, to place blame everywhere else. You've got EMS providers saying, we never make mistakes. How does it feel to, how's it feel to finally be held accountable, blah, blah, blah. But then you've got the nursing staff who's saying that we shouldn't be held accountable because we're, all, we're understaffed and there's systemic failures in place. Yes, the, I agree. They're understaffed. There are some profound systemic failures in place. However, that being said, it's as simple as, Knowing what you're doing, being good at your job, which is why I'm anti-union for the most part, is because the union protects those that don't deserve their job, really is what it comes down to. You've got the one or two strong protecting those that don't belong there. But anyway, this isn't about unions. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is... The reason why I don't feel just culture exists, why just culture doesn't work is because it's used wrong. Most of the time, it's used in a reactive sense. What it should be doing, and the way it was designed to be used, is in a preventative sense. And a lot of that comes down to failed models of leadership, like our last episode talked about, is that we should be doing everything we can 
as leaders to set up our staff, to set up the system for success. If we're not giving our staff the tools they need to do their job, whether that's education, whether that's remedial training, whether that's more checks and balances, not being able to override certain drugs, whatever, I don't know what the fix for the system is. However, they were definitely, there are definitely across the country, some systemic designs within the healthcare system that are ultimately designed going to result in failure at some level, whether that's failure within the organization like Vanderbilt has clearly within their code of conduct that they state and failed to uh, abide by, or whether that's a failure in at the cultural level that enables at-risk behavior that enables complacency, that enables negligence, and in some way, shape, or form, almost almost rewards it. Which you see a lot, ready for this, which you see a lot of in EMS. There's a lot of things that go down in EMS systems where complacency and borderline negligence are actually rewarded or at least not punished, because in the grand scheme of things, as long as we're able to bill and collect our reimbursement rates, then it doesn't matter what happens in the back of the truck. It doesn't matter what happens in the back of the aircraft. As long as it's documented well enough that we can actually potentially get reimbursed at the full rate is basically what it comes down to in the EMS world. And even in the hospital world, I know of a healthcare system where a particular OB doc has been accused of both on the patient level and even the nursing staff have witnessed and filed numerous complaints about a particular OB doc who essentially sexually assaults his OB patients every time he does a cervical exam. But regardless of the amount of complaints from nursing staff, regardless of the amount of complaints from the patients themselves, the hospital doesn't really care about what goes on because of the amount of revenue that this particular physician generates for the hospital system. So it's kind of difficult to promote an environment where integrity and accountability can thrive when the systems are essentially in place, they're essentially designed to foster and reward at-risk behavior. But anyway, none of that negates the fact that regardless of your profession, and I, I mean profession, whether that's lawyer, whether that's EMS provider, nursing staff, doctors, police officers, corrections, whatever it is your vocation, none of that negates the fact that you individually should be held accountable for the decisions you make within your line of work. Good outcomes, bad outcomes, doesn't matter. If you're the one making the calls, you are the one held 
accountable. And that's that. No excuses. No deviation of blame. At the end of the day, it comes down to you. If you make a failure, you make a mistake, it comes down regardless of of what the system was set up to be, regardless of what the underlying culture is promoting. Now, I get a lot of times you have a tendency to become the environment that you spend most of your time in. But again, at the end of the day, you are the one who is accountable for your actions. You are the one who needs to take ownership of your decisions, of your actions, of your life. Regardless of what the consequences are. Simply pay attention to what you're doing. Take the extra 0.2 seconds to really determine whether or not you're making the right decision. Now I get that it's impossible to predict the outcome of a lot of the decisions we make, and we don't know the outcome until long after the decision is made. But some of the decisions we make in public safety, the decisions we make in healthcare, are often made in split-second decisions, split-second time frames that can literally impact someone's life. You shouldn't take that lightly. Which is why I firmly believe that when someone you are responsible for someone's life, that the only option is full accountability. And that comes along with advocating for your patients too. There have been numerous times where I've advocated for my patients so much, being willing to advocate for my patients so much that I have been willing and actually put my license to practice on the line because I felt that it was in the best interest of said patient in the best interest of a good outcome for the patient. And not everybody has the willingness to do that because, oh, the liability, it's my livelihood, blah, blah, blah. I get it. You do what you need to do as long as you're willing to accept whatever the consequences of that decision is. If you're not willing to be held accountable for the decisions you make, regardless of what your position is, then you have no business at all being in that position. And as a matter of fact, because you're not willing to be accountable for the decisions you make, because you are willing to place blame, because you're willing to make light of this situation, you are responsible for the reputation that this industry has. You are responsible for making the best of us look like the rest of us. Which, in my opinion, is just as disgusting as the error that occurred. The fact that the error occurred is absolutely disgusting. Obviously, the outcome it had is obviously disgusting. The way that the organization handled the error, beyond disgusting. And the response from our quote-unquote fellow healthcare providers, both in-hospital and pre-hospital, is absolutely disgusting. And honestly, alarming. It's alarming because if this is really the underlying 
culture of what healthcare is to become, of what healthcare is, we are all in very grave trouble. And so are our patients. This situation that occurred, regardless of systemic failures that were in place that may have contributed to the overall event, this situation that occurred is no different than the accountability, the liability, the responsibility that our brothers over on the law enforcement side have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. As soon as their finger goes on that trigger, it's not about it was a department failure, department fault, whatever. As soon as their finger decides to squeeze that trigger and said lead downrange, they are solely responsible. They are solely accountable for the outcome of squeezing that trigger. Whether it's warranted, whether it's not warranted, it is no different when you depress the plunger on that syringe. You are solely responsible for the outcome of the medication that you give. Whether it's warranted or whether it's not warranted. Pay attention. Be accountable. Until next time. Look out for yourselves. Look out for each other. Keep those boots polished. And that had held up. This episode was brought to you by Blackout Coffee. Visit them at www.blackoutcoffee.com and enter coupon code BLACKCLOUD at checkout and receive a 10% discount on multiple blends and flavors to fuel your coffee, cocoa, and loose leaf tea needs. The views and opinions expressed in this production are in no way a substitution for your agency's policies, procedures or guidelines. The content and ideas are that of Black Cloud Society, and in no way reflect the views and opinions of the employers of those involved with this production. We thank you for tuning in.